personal view on anything to say a lot. So after they turned me, I decided to start over. Vanessa Murray's daughter from Elk River. You'd passed through 15 years ago. Tell your mother she's mistaken. She died three weeks ago. How'd you find me? The internet. I can go out during the day. Always wear sunscreen, SPF a million, avoided recess, but... Monsieur Tease. Oi vey. Told you. She's definitely yours. What the hell am I supposed to do? Be a person. I'm not a person. I don't have anyone. There's no one there. What do you think this is? You think that I've got some place that I can take you? Like the Batcave? You're feeling a little conflicted. You can imagine how I feel. As a vampire who was also a teenager. Find something that you and your kid connect on. Something you could do together. Maybe we could go on a little trip. Being a family member can be very therapeutic. Just give me a taste. This whole thing was a mistake. What do you want from me? Everything! I don't have anything! I'm not mad. I'm... Disappointed. Impressed. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the latest episode of Fresh Cuts. This is Mike. Joining me, as always, it's Mr. Venom. What's up, Venom? Greetings and salutations, bloodsuckers. Yeah, I am doing very well, Mike. How the hell are you doing? Uh, pretty good. First day back after uh, Thanksgiving holiday, so... <laughs> what, I came back to, like, I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, came back to, like, work queues overloaded, but... Yeah, it is what it is. They'll they'll get back to normal uh, volume soon enough. Mm-hmm. Well, <sighs> I had a lot of Chinese food for Thanksgiving, so that was my that was my Thanksgiving. Nice. Unfortunately, Mrs. Venom had to work, and my family's all back east. So, yeah, Thanksgiving tends to well a- any holiday where where Mrs. Venom has to work, it tends to be just kind of a lonely night for old Mr. Venom sitting around the house enjoying his little holiday meal, but. I love Chinese food, so I was I'm, thankful I, for that. <laughs> I'm I'm about ready to trade in Thanksgiving food for Chinese food because <laughs> I'm kind of tired. I, I I'm kind of over like the two to three days of leftovers afterwards. It's like I'll eat it that night, and maybe if I have leftovers for like a quick lunch the next day. But other than that, I don't need leftovers in my fridge for a week anymore i'm just not into it (laughs) yeah yeah, thanksgiving is the uh, november equivalent of halloween where we end up having candy in the house for like three weeks after halloween (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right also with us it's don and ellie what's up don how are you Eh, not bad um unlike you uh thanksgiving leftovers is the only reason why my family celebrates because we can't stand it but uh, we still like having the leftovers for some reason. <laughs> Actually, I prefer the leftovers to the fresh food. I, I don't know why. Yeah, Maybe that's what I'm saying. I, that's what I'm saying is like we prefer the leftovers as well. Um, we actually make what we call uh, turkey bowls, which is uh, we. Yeah. So we'll, um, real quickly, so what we do is we lay a ground floor of mashed potatoes, and then dump 
stuffing, turkey, uh, corn, whatever, you know, other vegetables you want. Layer that on top, stick it in the microwave for a couple of minutes, and voila, fresh meal. Thanksgiving bowls. I love it. Reminds yeah. me. It reminds me of the KFC bowls they had for a while. Oh, Maybe yeah. they still have them. They still do, yeah. yeah they... I, I haven't had KFC in years, but yeah, my wife, I'll get it occasionally for the missus, and yeah, it's still on the menu. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. Those are that's uh, we look forward to that more than actually sitting down for the meal for some reason. Um, so yeah, uh, that's kind of been the Thanksgiving tradition for uh, the Saturday slash Sunday afterwards. Is we usually have one of those, so uh, okay. we look forward to that more than the actual meal itself. Uh, <laughs> I think because we've sat around with each other for the past year or two. Um, but yeah, that's kind of been our tradition. So we look forward to uh, the leftovers more than the meal itself. Love it. All right. Well, for tonight's meal, uh, we are talking probably about should have a said movie. that. Probably should have had that kind of a discussion for last week's episode. <laughs> yeah, yeah, valid. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, we're talking a movie on that or that's streaming on Shutter currently. It's called Blood Relatives. And let's see, it's it's billed as a comedy horror. I'd say pretty accurate there. I mean, uh, well, I'll say it can qualify with both tags, but we'll get into more on that. But uh, a vampire's loner lifestyle is thrown into disarray when a teenager shows up claiming to be his daughter, and she's got the fangs to prove it. On a road trip across America's blacktops, they decide how to sink their teeth into family life. All right, <laughs> let's start with general thoughts on this one. Venom, what did you think of Blood Relatives? This may be a little bit of a surprise, but I absolutely loved this movie. Um, I- I'll caveat my review by saying that horror is a stretch for this one. Yes, it is about vampires, but there's no like, you know, there's not the traditional vampires stalking their prey. I mean, there's one minor scene at the beginning, like the first kill of the film that has some traditional vampire tropes to it but for the most part this is a movie about a relationship this movie is solidly about francis and jane father and daughter reuniting after well not reuniting but uniting uh because obviously our our titular vampire uh francis doesn't know that he had a daughter so this is a complete shock to him but man right from the start i absolutely love this girl she is whip smart she she has a memory retention of four elephants i mean the the information that she was able to pop out of her head that just as an actress memorizing a script i was impressed let alone as a 15 year old vampire hybrid you know searching for her father i thought she was funny as hell maybe not like drop dead funny like side splitting by any stretch but i chuckled a lot throughout this movie there's multiple characters in here that i thought were great uh, the doctor at the mental facility I thought was awesome. She was so quirky for no reason, which for some reason I ended up enjoying. Um, and, you know, obviously, you know, like I said, this movie isn't a horror movie. It's solidly a relationship film. It's a character study. It's, you know, it, it's a vampire trying to go against his normal ways to try to be normalize himself in society. It's almost like a Dexter story, if you will. Anybody who watched the old show uh, Dexter, I say old, it was like 10 years ago, but the, the show Dexter on Showtime where Dexter was a serial killer who kills serial killers. This show had a lot of that 
element in it in the sense that, you know, our vampires, you know, they prefer to take out bad people or animals in, you know, when they can, um, you know, the, the daughter is a hybrid vampire. She's, you know, basically a daywalker. She can go out in the sunlight. So she's got, you know, both the benefits of being a vampire and being human. And she's kind of learning the ropes, at, you know, about being a vampire, what it entails. She's obviously, you know, bright eyed and bushy tailed. She's only 15 years old. Her mother just passed away. So I don't know, just all of these elements put together for me, make a cute little movie. You know, I, I don't know that this is something I'll ever return to. It's not something that I need to have in my collection. But I found this movie incredibly heartwarming. Um, I, know, I know the ending is a little bleak. Not bleak, but like it just kind of stops. Like it almost feels like there's a scene missing. Um, but, but I did kind of enjoy that because the movie, just like with the platform from a few years ago, the movie ends with a sense of hope. And I love that about this movie. I love it. So like I said, I love uh, the characters in it. Beautiful score. I absolutely adore this score. We get some great Vivaldi classical music throughout. We get some rock and roll mixed in. Um, and, and then the score itself. Um, I even wrote it down. It has elements of a movie. I'll have to, I'll bring it up later. It, it reminded me of the score of another movie. Oh, it was three from hell. Uh, the score from Three from Hell, specifically the third act when they go to Mexico, it has kind of like a Tex-Mex score. Um, this this movie, when they were driving through Texas, kind of had the same sort of thing. So this isn't a movie that's going to, you know, I've said this before, I'll say it many, many more times. This movie isn't going to change the world. It's not going to be anybody's favorite movie of the year. But I thought that this was a cute little movie, very effective and I really have very few complaints about it. I mean, yeah, I, I wish there was more blood. I wish there was more kills, blah, blah, blah. I wish it was a legitimate horror movie because, honestly, it's not. Um, you know, pigeonhole the movie, if you will, as a comedy horror. I, The comedy, like I said, it's not like side-splitting by any stretch. It's just you're going to chuckle. You're going to find, you know, assuming, you know, you kind of have the same sensibility as I do, you're going to find these characters charming. You know, you're going to be invested in their travels, you know, up and down the road. Just I, I the long and the short of it is I had a great time with this movie. I love these characters. And yeah, I just had a really great it's going to be hard for me to recommend this movie to anyone. Um, I would say maybe people who like the black phone and the relationship between the brother and sister in that movie, they might get into this movie a little bit, maybe even a little bit of uh uh, what was the uh, the when uh, the Wendigo movie Antlers? Um, you know that Antlers film where there was a brother and sister dynamic in that one that you know worked for some people, didn't work for others. So uh, I think if you're a fan of either of those movies or movies like that, I think you'll enjoy this one. But it's definitely going to be a hard recommend for standard genre fans. All right, uh, let's jump over to Don. What did you think of Blood Relatives? Um, I actually don't have much else to add because I'm right in lockstep with Venom uh, 100% on this one. Uh, I had a great time with this one. Horror is a bit of a stretch. Um, relationship drama comedy with sprinklings of horror is a, an accurate description of this mm -hmm. one. Um, maybe to a detriment, um, like you said, because you know you kind of would want a little bit more of a fully fleshed out horror uh, tale with this. But yeah, it, it's still a lot of fun. Um, you know, 
considering she's a vampire, I think the girl would be a great, like, sarcastic neighbor on a sitcom. She's got a great... <laughs> she would be, like, the, uh, you know, troublesome girl that, you know, has a heart of gold or something, but, you know, she's always da- there to put somebody down. Um, she has, like, that, that, she has, like, that kind of a sense of humor, which is, uh, it, it adds a nice little uh, sprinkle to everything. Um, the relationship that emerges is fun. Um, you kind of lose track of the fact that they're vampires because it's not really that important to it. You take one scene out of this one and, or maybe two sequences. I mean, you can probably eliminate the, uh, the sequence in the, uh, the, uh, auto yard at the beginning and, uh, you know, maybe the motel encounter, but, uh, other than that, uh, you, you don't really get much in the way of actual horror output here. Uh, you could very easily just call this a relationship drama and be fine with it. Uh, you know, it's very quick, very fa- fast. Uh, you're never really bored. Um, if you're looking for more straight up horror, it could be a little bit because you're not getting as much. But yeah, it, it, in terms of a film, I, I don't have too many complaints. It's, you know, kind of light on horror, much like it last week's was. But, I, I, again, I, I don't have too many complaints about it. I had fun with it. And, uh, you know, not being horror enough being the, uh, the main real complaint here, much like it was last week. So, <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I don't have much else to add. Uh, there's not much I can really offer much else on input here. But, uh, yeah. Fun time, maybe not horror enough, but uh, I mean, close enough to count. And uh, it's still fun for what it is. So, yeah, I, I don't have much else to add for that. <laughs> All right. Well, I'm just going to start off by saying that, wow, I thought I was going to have to come in here and defend the shit out of this movie, but I guess not. So. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I had, a, I had a fun time with it. It's like a small little story, uh, but it's pretty endearing. Um, I found the the narrative and the relationship between the estranged father and daughter to be pretty believable. And I agree. It, I almost feel like the script maybe originally they weren't even vampires and it was just like more of a straight up like <laughs> drama uh movie and then they thought okay but how do we market this and maybe okay well we can make it more quirky by making them vampires but i thought the general theme of the movie which uh which seems to be you know kind of finding your place uh you know uh in in the world or i guess just uh as a person the way the daughter's kind of searching and you know is she happy with what she finds and kind of working through those issues that would come up in this situation, uh, it, it was pretty uh, effective. Um, what else? I mean, I agree with you guys that the horror elements are nil. I mean, they're, they're there because they are vampires, and we get a couple scenes to remind us that vampires still have to do vampire things. But other than that, that's not the main crux of it. It's, it's you know, a story about uh, an estranged uh, I, I would say more from the daughter, the daughter estranged from the father. Um, but yeah, I, I thought they, the pair worked well together on screen. I thought the writing was pretty good and it was well acted and it was a good way to do a small scale story. And, uh, I, I was, I found it entertaining and like I said, pretty endearing and, uh, believable conclusion. And, you know, 
not a whole lot else to say. It's it's another, you know, just under 90 minutes, so it's a pretty quick watch. And, you know, movies like this are why I like Shudder. Other than, like, when they get the bangers that you're, like, waiting for and they're the only ones mm-hmm. that pick them up, it's kind of like movies like this that uh, I probably would have never heard of without this being on shutter you know it it might have been buried somewhere on like a different app where i never even come across it because it's just profiled so low down the list of movies where shutter mm-hmm. throws it right on their featured list to see so um yeah good time um probably not a top 10 but you know who can i mean for the purpose of this it doesn't matter i still i still enjoyed it and uh, I would recommend it to everybody, really. Uh, I think, you know, as long as you like kind of or as long as you can be down for a movie that while it says comedy horror, uh, the horror elements are very light. Um, I, I think you would have a good time with it. I I know I, know I did. And uh, I, I think the strength is really in the story. And if you're down for a good story. Yeah, uh, that'd be this. Definitely the story, these performances. Like, like I said, I, I felt like everyone in this movie was very organic. Even the over-the-top characters, like I said, the mental facility doctor who just had an ear-to-ear shit-eating grin on her face the entire time. Like, I thought she was actually a patient, but especially when she actually um, takes Jane and puts her in that guy's room, and then she looks at her and says, "I gotta close the door behind you. It's policy." And then she gives this sly smile, like, wait, is there something ulterior going on here? Like, ah, I just love that element. Um, Just very entertaining characters. And, you know, cool to see some actors that we're familiar with, too. I mean, we we get Doug Benson at the beginning. I know not exactly an A-list celebrity, but I'm a big fan of Doug Benson. Um, You know, his podcast and his uh, old MTV show. Like, I just I, I, I dig all that. And just to see him in this movie, granted, much fatter than he's ever been. But, hey, with success comes comfort. So I understand. <laughs> but, yeah, just seeing him as that clerk at the beginning. He's he's, ba- he's the clerk at the very first, uh, you know, gas station scene there uh, who, who's basically giving our vampire some shit because he showed up five minutes before closing time. Um, oh, man, let me tell you, as a retail customer, uh, there have been many times when I've wanted to kill someone inside of a store because I got there five minutes before the official closing time, but they had already locked the door. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I, I completely sympathize with the vampire here. It's like he was so polite, too. Like, even after the the character was being really, really rude to him, he still was just endlessly polite. And, you know, we find out later why he tries not to get mad and why he's so polite to everyone. But it just like Doug Benson, I'm sorry, but that character deserved exactly what he got. So that's definitely more of a a guilty pleasure kill. Not that we get to see anything, of course, but um, yeah, just little scenes like that really, really worked for me, man. And then when you find out more of the backstory of this particular vampire, I love this backstory. This might, this might get into spoiler territory, so I won't really talk about it right here. But I absolutely loved his backstory. I, and just it explains so much about his mannerisms, though, even the way he talks. You know, I mean, it's very obvious that he's of a certain, you know, nationality or religion, if you will. And, and then we get a deeper explanation of it later on. And it's just so fulfilling to me. And on top of the fact, guys, that, you know, we all know how vindictive and petty I am. So to actually see this type of character become a vampire 
I, I applaud this movie. I, I totally do. And yeah. Oh man, what else can we say that's uh, kind of spoiler free here? Like I said, I love I love this girl. I love uh, Vanessa Morales, uh, who plays Jane. Excuse me, Victoria Morales, who plays mm-hmm. Jane. Um, I just thought what a what a great performance. Even when she's angry and being kind of a uh, how can we put it a pench- a petulant teenager, she's still something about her face is still entertaining. She has this sly smile throughout the film that just you know makes me chuckle every single time I see it. Um, just a just a really really easily likable character. Uh, everybody in this movie. I mean, that's the thing. It's like these are vampires, but they are legitimately the protagonists of this film. Like they mm-hmm. are not evil people. You know, I mean, he. You know, Cthulhu bless this guy. He's trying his best not to go around just being a, you know, a mad vampire who just kills anyone who crosses his path. You know. And yeah, I like that they played it pretty straight, even though. You know, he is a vampire, but like in in I guess normal human settings, people would just treat him like a like a normal dad or a single dad trying to repair the relationship. I I like the um the therapy scene. When, <laughs> when, when, when he, he's trying to explain like his situation and the other one of the other dads in there just kind of responds like as if you know, the issues are exactly the same because for all he knows they are. And I liked, uh, they grabbed, uh, Tracy, I think Tracy Tomes or as the, I think she was like the leader of the, their, I, I don't know if she was a therapist or just kind of the leader of the leading the group, uh, as Michelle. I think she was, she was the principal of that school that, um, that, uh, Francis yeah, took Jane to. Right. And then she also ran the support group. Yeah. That's, that's right. She was the principal. Um, Doug Benson got a little cameo at the beginning. <laughs> um, that was unexpected. <laughs> um, and I, I, maybe, cause I was trying to think like, why does the movie seem pace so well? Maybe because of the smaller scale story, but they kind of work it into being a semi road movie where they're constantly, moving you maybe that helped just kind of push the the pacing and the story along because it it feels like it kind of cruises by like i i threw it on a second time while i was working and it was like almost in no time it was already to that uh therapy scene and i was like wow and i checked the the time stamp and i was like yeah there's only 10 minutes of movie left i was like wow okay not bad yeah definitely a you know, as I mentioned earlier, it's definitely more of a heartwarming ending. Like, you know, it's not going to be a big, you know, plot twist or big reveal or, you know, a big action sequence where they get, you know, the vampires got to get got to get out of town or whatever. No, nothing like that. I mean, there's honestly, I don't think there even is an action sequence in this movie. Like I said, everything, everything happens off screen. Um, we only really get a little bit of blood throughout the movie. And that's one particular scene where we see the aftermath of what the girl ended up doing to, uh, some boys who maybe touched her a little bit more than they should have. But, uh, and that's even right there, that scene right there as the, my petty vindictive self, I absolutely love that scene. You know, this movie gave me a lot of the elements that Piggy didn't. And I'm sorry to bring up a movie we're not talking about, but like everyone has been praising Piggy and Piggy is a good movie. I'm not going to deny that it's good, but being the the shitty, petty person that I am, I wanted that movie to go into a different direction. And it ended and it ended up going in a completely different direction than I wanted. Doesn't make the movie bad. It just kind of lowers my entertainment value of it. Whereas this movie, 
in one scene, we get that kind of pettiness that I love of these three teenage boys, you know, messing with a girl nine times out of 10, hell, 99 times out of 100, those boys are going to get what they want out of that girl. But today, they just happened to go after a vampire, and I fucking loved it. Even though we didn't get, you know, the actual scene where she takes them out, I still fucking love the fact that she did it. Loved the fact that she was a little bit scared because that was her first human attack, even though she has been feeding on blood, mostly from animals and very, very rare meats, if not raw meats. So, yeah, just that element, that pettiness of it, just it served me so well. So, yeah, I'm giddy just thinking about this movie. It's just such a fun little movie. You know, like I said, if you go in with low expectations, you know. You're not getting an interview with the vampire. You're not getting Bram Stoker's Dracula. Hell, you're not even getting, um, you know, uh, shit. What was the uh, vampire movie on the plane that we reviewed a couple of years Blood ago? Red. Totally. Blood, Blood Red, Red. Sky. Blood Red Sky. Thank you very much. Yeah, you're definitely not getting Blood Red Sky. That movie was filled with action. But like I said, you're getting a sweet little relationship. And honestly, I can see people appreciating this movie who aren't genre fans, like, you know, single dads and you know, angsty teenagers who, you know, might pick this up somehow, you know, see it on Shutter or whatever and actually get something out of it, some actual emotionality. Like there was some legit emotional scenes here. But one of the things I like about this movie is that there's emotion in this movie without ever being sappy. I fucking hate when, you know, movies get sappy and they try to tug at the heartstrings or they try to, you know, get you to cry, you know, tear jerkers, if you will. You don't get any of that here, but you get the solid raw emotion of these people trying to figure out their lot in life without the sap. And I fucking loved it. Yeah. You could, I could think you could throw it in under the same umbrella as like, uh, and, and this, this other one has a, I would even say that one has, has a little more horror stuff in it, but like a Jacob's wife or yeah, that kind of family it, it almost feels like a family friendly story and the horror is light enough to where like you wouldn't be nervous to show it to like non-horror fans if you if you get what i mean yeah absolutely this is I, this is a great i i think this would be a great um kind of introduction to horror especially if it's a single dad showing it to his daughter you know a, a dad who's a big horror fan and he's trying to get his daughter into horror and maybe she's not getting into monster squad or gremlins you know the way that we all did as kids and you know this could be something especially like i said if she's an angsty teenager with a single dad i think she can pull something out of this movie so i just to see actual real world value in what is basically a vampire movie just it, it you know it makes my heart feel good. <laughs> Let's just say that. <laughs> and uh, the world's a better place when Venom's heart feels good. So, um, My friends, yeah, California is a much sunnier place when Mr. Venom's in a good mood, I assure you. <laughs> uh, anything else you guys want to bring up that's spoiler-free? Not that there's many spoilers in this movie to begin with. I mean, like I said, there's no real plot twists, no you know, big aha moments. Just a sweet little story. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. The way the story's crafted, there's not really much to spoil. It's just it's kind of, you know, the daughter on her journey to kind of 
finding belonging. I mean, that's kind of what I think the main theme is her looking for belonging and trying to make sense of, yes, Mm -hmm. make sense of the situation and being a teenager, you're, you're seeking out answers to questions that have arisen from your situation. So, Mm-hmm. Um, it's not like we get major reveals. Like it's not an overly complicated reason for why everything is happening. It's just kind of you're just along for the ride, I guess. Yeah, and like I said, great score, great car. The Barracuda in this fucking movie is awesome. I fucking love Barracudas. So maybe it speaks to me more than others. But yeah, Barracudas and Novas have always been like my favorite muscle cars. So. Seeing this absolute beauty in this movie definitely, uh, you know, put a smile on my face. I, um, yeah, I guess we can go on into quote unquote spoilers. Uh, there's not really a whole lot to spoil, like I said. As Mike said earlier, you know, this is a story of a vampire who is a loner. He's lived by himself for, you know, what turns out to be decades. Um, you know, as, as the movie goes along, we'll find out more about Francis. Um, but let's get into it right now, because I'm not really going to do a walkthrough for this one. I mean, we, we pretty much already went through the walkthrough in the uh, in the non-spoiler section, because like I said, this is, you know, such a plot twist free movie that there's not really much to spoil. But um, yeah, I just I, I the backstory of this vampire, I really, really appreciate. As it turns out, this vampire was a dad in the Holocaust. Yes, my friends, we have a Holocaust survivor here. And apparently the way that he described it and guys tell me if I got this wrong, because I only did watch the movie once today. Uh, I was pretty busy this weekend, but it, it almost sounded like he implied that the Germans did this to him. The Germans somehow vampirized this guy and then were fucking with him because he even talked about how they were planning on killing him. They only turned him so that they could kill him. Um, kind of a weird backstory but i mean we see the pictures of his family he he used to have a daughter he used to have a wife obviously they didn't survive uh the internment camps uh he ends up sneaking back into the u.s inside of a coffin of one of the dead jews you know as they ship all the coffins of, of the you know uh, jews back to their family he basically stowed away in one of the coffins and you know pretty brilliant in my in my opinion but um yeah, I mean, what do you guys think of this backstory? I, I just fucking love it. The fact that this guy is a Holocaust survivor, and now he's going around trying to uh, right some injustices, including his own. I, I kind of dig it. What do you guys think? It's a fun backstory. I, I kind of like it. It adds a different depth to him that you know most vampires don't really get. I mean, short of Dracula, I don't really know if there's much of a backstory on most other vampires. So, I mean, you know, that kind of takes into consideration just as much as, you know, what the actual backstory is itself. Yeah. And it, it kind of helps set up a, like a reasoning or justification for why he ends up such a loner, like after that and why he kind of is where he is in life. And imagine like carrying those memories for like eternity, right. Until I guess until like someone, stakes you or you <laughs> willingly die in the sun but yeah. he's gonna live a long time with like the horrors of that in his head so the fact that he ends up like a loner like kind of just moving around all the time mm-hmm. uh makes sense yeah i really like how 
his musical taste hasn't evolved since World War II. I mean, all he listens to is classical music. All throughout the movie, he's listening to Vivaldi. It's pretty much all he's listening to. I love that. It, it, it does seem interesting that he lives in a modern world, but doesn't, you know, like the internet was like a foreign concept to him when the girl was talking about it and hashtags and, you know, Facebook and shit like that. That was kind of a cute scene obviously you know whenever you've got a hundreds year old vampire and not to say that this guy's i mean if this guy was like in his 30s or 40s during the holocaust that was in the late 30s and that was what like 70 80 plus years ago so the guy is probably you know in the neighborhood of 125 to 150 so he's lived a good amount of time but the fact that he's kind of not embraced any new technologies or music or cinema or any kind of you know art any modern art i kind of like that he like he sticks to his guns he he knows he loves his music maybe it was his wife's favorite music and he just listens to it because it reminds him of his wife and daughter who knows but i did really like that and then when we do get the backstory of you know him being a holocaust survivor it explains all the jewishisms that he's been speaking throughout the film which i thought were fucking adorable I mean, he's he's using words like schlep and fakakta and meshugana. He actually says meshugana in the movie, which is one of my favorite Yiddish words ever. <laughs> my favorite band in the world, for those who don't know, is meshuga. And not the same thing, I know, but when I hear a, a, a hardcore Jew say meshugana, it just always tickles me. I love it. So, um, So, yeah, it also explains the politeness a little bit because, you know, he is a Holocaust survivor. You did what you were told when you were in there. And he's an extremely polite person. Every human that he interacts with, he's very polite. Even when they try to antagonize him, he just smiles. He just gives them a wry smile and, you know, doesn't engage in the hatred or, you know. Um, and I just love that. He's endlessly polite. And I, that's another, you know, thing that maybe we haven't seen so much in the vampire genre is, you know, an incredibly polite vampire who actually regrets killing people when he has to. Um, so, again, you know, the reluctant vampire, the reluctant vampire isn't necessarily a new concept, but to see a guy who's been a vampire this long, who still isn't a hunter killer like most vampires become, it's, it, I liked it. It adds a nice element to it. And obviously, you know, um, Jane, when she shows up, I, we mentioned during the spoiler free section how whip smart she is and just spouting off all this information. I mean, they literally have a two to three minute conversation just about cars when they first meet. And it's fucking brilliant. It means nothing to me. But if you're a car person, I would be really interested to know if everything that they were speaking was accurate. You know, all, all the different parts of the cars that they were talking about, the 383 compared to the 272 or whatever the case may be. You know what I mean? It just it was believable for me. So I enjoyed it. And, you know, like I said, this girl, I mean, obviously, because she's half vampire, she does have, uh, you know, added abilities, her memory. I mean, obviously, her memory has improved. It has you know, is better than the average human 15-year-old girl. I mean, this girl's 15, and she has the intelligence of a college professor, and I love that. So, obviously, her information retention is amazing. Um, and, obviously, you know, like I said, the fact that she can go out in the daylight, that's a... She actually even says that line in the movie to her father. She says, hey, it might be convenient to have somebody who could do stuff for you during the day. And, and he looks at her like, oh, shit. That's kind of right. Like, I don't even know why he didn't think of that before, but there you go. So, and obviously this is a rogue vampire. This is a loner. He lives in his car. He lives in his barracuda. Basically, he just, 
finds uh, shaded spots during the day where he can park his car, cover it with a tarp, and then just sleep in the back seat. Obviously, that seems incredibly dangerous to me, but, you know, it, it seems like eventually someone's going to come up to your car, either trying to steal it or, you know, trying to vandalize it maybe in the middle of the day. And what are you going to do? You're going to get out of the car and die in the sun? So um, definitely risky, but, you know, it worked out for him. We, we never had that uncomfortable situation of a cop chasing him in this movie, which, again, I really like that. You know, you don't get a lot of the same tropes of vampires being caught or exposed or whatever I, I just really like that it seems like the people that are loyal to francis in this movie remain loyal to him even the even a guy even a camp counselor that he bit years earlier with the intention of killing him and feeding on him but because uh in the middle of, a, of his attack uh some people showed up and he basically just had to leave he and the person that he attacked had to hide somewhere i forget how long they said they had to hide but because they were hiding, he decided not to kill the guy. And, of course, the guy becomes a vampire. And the scene with him in the mental facility, I, I thought that was a great little scene. Because, you know, you're expecting this guy to be either just completely terrified because, oh, shit, the daughter of the vampire who attacked me is now here to visit me. He even has the line, are you here to finish the job? Yeah. But the fact that he's so loyal to Francis was such a surprise. Like, I'm expecting one of two things, either fear or disdain. Either he's going to hate Francis for what he did to him, or he's going to be terrified that Francis is going to show up one day and finish the job. But instead, he basically turns into Renfield. He's basically mm -hmm. like, what can I do for the master? And that just, yeah, you know. I, I like how it flips because she comes off, or she's the one that ends up feeling awkward in the scene at almost astonished at that guy's loyalty and you know just how loyal he's been because when the, the the nurse practitioner brings her in there i think she mentions like yeah he's kind of tonic he doesn't even talk anymore so he's kind of just been like almost maybe acting uh, just to like lay low and then the minute she's there he like just immediately starts talking so yeah yeah that scene was pretty good yeah, yeah, it definitely shows that the guy is solidly a vampire because he he instantly knew that this girl had something to do with his master. He didn't know what. He probably smelled Francis on her and said, oh, you're with him, aren't you? And and then the fact that he just becomes so loyal and, and basically says, what can I do for the master? Anything, name it, I will do it. And he does end up doing exactly what he promises and everything works out. Like there's no... You know, there's no twist where, you know, suddenly the cops are chasing them because they found out that this girl took these records from this place. No, man, I just I love that this movie doesn't have what's the word I'm looking for? Forced peril, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? Like pigeonholing them in a situation where they have to fight to get out or they have to race against the clock to beat the sun. You know, we don't get shit like that here. And in this particular instance, I appreciate it. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Um, I, as Mike mentioned earlier, there's a support group scene after Francis and Jane move to their new town where he's, you know, starting to plant roots. Uh, he puts her in, he puts her in a school. The principal of that school, you know, is obviously also the head of this support group. And yeah, the support group scene is great because, you know, this guy's talking about not really being on the same level with his daughter or not really knowing if he's doing the right thing. But it's more he's coming from the angle of I'm a vampire who's a new dad. But like Mike said earlier, the fact that some of the guys in the group give him advice that fits 
the situation, even with him being a vampire. Um, and even the advice that he gets at the end as he's leaving by the, the support group head where she's like, just find common interests. And I'm thinking to myself, you're both vampires. You should already have common interests. But no, after that scene, they finally decide, OK, let's go out and try to you know, kill somebody together. Um, and, and of course, the comedy of that scene is that it, it all goes to shit. They don't get to kill the guy. The guy ends up puking on Jane's right in Jane's face. It just it it turns into comedy, you know. We're expecting an intense vampire kill, and it just turns into a slapstick scene, and I absolutely loved it. So yeah, kudos there again. Um, <laughs> at one point in the movie, Francis calls raw meat junk food. <laughs> I found that interesting. I guess to a vampire that would be junk food. The, you know, blood is obviously what they need to sustain themselves. But she's obviously eating raw meat because that's all she needs. You know, because she's a hybrid, she doesn't need to be constantly feeding on blood. You know, she can eat raw meat and she's getting all the blood, all the hemoglobin that she needs. She's getting from that raw meat. So that that works for her that, you know, if that works for her and she doesn't have to kill anybody, rock on. But then, of course, we do get the scene where, you know, she runs into these three local boys in Nebraska you know, they, they try to get her stoned, but she can't get stoned, obviously, because, her, you know, she's a vampire. She has an incredible tolerance. So literally the other, the three boys are all, you know, stoned to shit. And then the one basically tries to assault her. <laughs> I love the line the kid says, like, like, like it's like it's like it's almost polite. He literally says to Jane, oh, you don't have to touch it. Just watch me. And I'm thinking, how's that any better, you fucking asshole? <laughs> this doesn't make any sense to me. But again, they're young. They don't know what the fuck they're talking about. So I'll cut them a little slack. But yeah, obviously, the my little my pettiness inside, knowing that Jane took all three of these guys out. And the next morning, we see the, the three dead bodies. We see Jane asleep on a hay bale. And then above her, we see all three dead bodies on another bale of hay. So that, that turned out to be a great scene. And then dad, of course, shows up at that moment and, you know, helps her clean the scene, if you will. And by clean the scene in this instance, it means torch everything. Cause obviously we see the vampire torch the gas station where he attacked Doug Benson earlier. And now he's torching this barn that has three dead bodies in it. So, you know, he obviously has his MO and it seems to be working for him because obviously, as we said, it doesn't seem like he has anybody on his tail. I was fully expecting a vampire hunter character to show up at some point. But luckily, again, they subverted that expectation. And like I said, just gave us this sweet, sweet little movie. I did enjoy how Francis did. It felt like he was turning human. Like literally after the support group, after he had been working for a couple of months at a garage and they have an argument that literally ends with Jane screaming, I hate you, which I'm thinking, you fucking search this guy out again. Jane is 15, but she obviously had an idyllic vision in her head of what she was going to find. Like her dad was going to be all open arms and, oh, yay, let's go out and kill people together and we're going to spend all our time together and blah, blah, blah. And obviously that's not who Francis is. He's always been a loner. He's been kind of thrust into fatherhood and he's trying his best, but you know, it's still something he's never tried before. So he's learning the hard way. And, you know, like I said, the fact that he starts to actually almost turn human 
like he turns into an alcoholic at one point, even though he's drinking throughout the movie. The one scene when he gets into the argument with Jane, he's got like eight empty beer bottles next to him and he's still drinking. I'm like, my God, I've seen this. And how many movies have we seen this in? Teenage daughter arguing with her drunk father. I mean, it was Beverly Marsh all over again. But yeah, it's little scenes like that that really just did it for me. And then the kicker, the fucking kicker of this whole movie, and I can't express how much I absolutely love this. On her first day at her new school, she makes a friend with someone. The fucking friend is a vampire. Oh, excuse me, is a werewolf. She made friends with a werewolf on her first day at school, and I fucking love that. Mm -hmm. I thought that was so great. And obviously, we, yeah. we don't get to see the kid transform or anything, but we obviously, you know, he's got a unibrow. That's the first thing we notice. And then at one point, he's kind of scratches his hands, and we look down, and his hands are completely covered in fur. And then as he's walking away, uh, the camera pans up and shows that the that the moon is full, and we hear a howl in the background. And then that's the last we see of that kid. But I just love that that they interjected a little bit of a you know another creature's mythology in here. You know, and, and yeah, they live in a, a world really, where they can be friendly. <laughs> that was a really nice touch in the movie. Oh, yeah, totally. I, I enjoyed that a lot, yeah. And then the and movie... Uh -huh. so I was going to say, it's almost as good as the relationship and what we do in the shadows. Absolutely. The, the dichotomy between the vampires and the werewolves there. I mean, it starts out a little rough at first, but then by the end of the movie, obviously, they're all friends because they got that one guy in common. And in this one, it's just that they're both kids. They're both kids at school. They recognize each other instantly because literally it's her first day at school. She's walking into the building and the werewolf kid looks at her and smiles. And then she looks back and waves at him. It's like they know that they're not human. You know, they instantly recognize that they're something else and they instantly yeah. bond over it. I thought there's, that like was an un, there's like an unspoken connection yes. immediately. Then they, they don't know what it is, but it's, they definitely both stand out to each other. Yeah. And then our movie kind of ends with just a conversation where they're driving back home and they're talking about, you know, uh, Francis is basically admitting that this is all new to him, but that he's going to try, you know, try to be a dad as much as he can. Uh, basically, the movie ends with um, uh, Jane complimenting his new jacket because throughout the entire film, Jane actually makes the comment that he's dressed like Fonzie. Personally, I don't think Fonzie's all that bad a dresser. <laughs> you know, but jeans, black boots, leather jacket. I mean, gee, it, it's universal. It's eternal. It's the eternally cool outfit. Um, but anyway, she gives him a new jacket. He wears it um, a couple of times. She tells him, I like the new jacket. And then she asks if she can have the old one after insulting it, literally after saying you look like Fonzie 24 seven, then she asks him for the jacket. And that's literally the end of the movie. The movie ends there, which I know is going to leave some people's heads scratching, but I just love that scene. It's such a subtle little ending. You know, it's hope it's hopeful. The, the fact that they're going to try to have a normal life, obviously, we know they're doomed. Eventually, just like with anything else, once a community finds out that you're different, 
they're going to come after you, be it you're a monster, you're a different race, you're a different color, whatever the case may be, certain communities are going to go after you. So you already know they're doomed, but the movie ends on such a hopeful high note that it leaves you feeling good. And I love that about the movie. You know, it doesn't leave me thinking about the shit that they're going to have to deal with in the future. Just the fact that right now for right now, they're a happy family and they're going to act like a happy family. And you know, it's heartwarming. And then, <laughs> did you guys uh, watch the credits? Did you finish off the credits? Um, there's not a post-credit scene, but at the end of the credits, there's a radio host who comes on, and it's one of the funniest parts of the whole movie. It's it's one of the, it's the only thing that maybe made me laugh out loud. And basically, he, this radio DJ is talking about, have you heard about the the epidemic of you know, of monsters driving monster cars. And, you know, he's like, monster cars weren't meant for monsters. They were meant for good American human drivers. And he's talking about, you know, I've heard about werewolves uh, in, you know, in the community. I've heard about um, mummies disrespecting the flag and using the American flag as bandages for them. I mean, the guy is fucking hysterical. And then the whole broadcast ends with him selling some kind of like garlic spray. So basically he, he says, buy my spray, spray it all over every, you know, every hot rod, every, you know, muscle car that you see, and we're going to keep them away from the, from the vampires. And it just ends like that. And then he gives an 800 number where you can order your spray. But I thought that was fucking hysterical. We don't see it. Like I said, it's just the audio at the end of the film, but that made me laugh out loud. I mean, that that was funny as hell to me because that DJ, he's probably a conspiracy theory douchebag, but in this particular instance, he's right. <laughs> I loved it. Yeah, when I when I heard that, it reminded me of like if if you ever play the GTA games, how they they make the talk radio stations now, and it's usually yeah. like wild uh, like uh, exaggerations of what you would hear on actual talk radio, and it, really, it reminded me of that. Like it would fit in right right there with like uh, all the other stuff on those radio channels. Yeah, exactly. I just realized that the goat got a credit in the movie. Uh, <laughs> the goat's name was Deuce, and yes, the goat does survive the movie. So. That's always good. Animals and horror movies never do well. So it's nice to see the goat survive. <laughs> That's pretty much it, folks. Like I said, there's not really much to the film. Um, you know, I, I, we, we skipped a couple of scenes here and there, but, you know, you got the gist of it. Um, I still recommend the movie. It sounds like all three of us recommend it. It's like I said, it's a sweet little movie. Maybe something to watch with younger horror fans or just something to watch by yourself. Like, like I said, if you like good performances, good scores, organic characters, um, you know, good story progression, this is the movie for you. I had a really good time with it. Yeah, same here. Same all around. All right. Well, that's going to do it for our discussion on blood relatives. But let's find out where else we can hear all of us. So, Venom, we'll start with you. What do you got out now? Okay, fresh off the presses, literally released today, is No More Room in Hell presents Creature Comforts, episode 13, where Don, Derek, and myself look at 1973's The Golden Voyage of Sinbad. Um, it's our first look at a Ray Harryhausen movie, so, you know, it's odd that it took us to the second year of our Creature podcast to actually get to a Harryhausen movie, but we finally did it. 
And I'm pretty sure you're all going to know what we're going to say about it. So I'll leave it at that. But that episode is officially available today. As you hear this episode, go ahead and check that out. Um, that'll be available wherever you get the No More Room in Hell shows. Um, main show, unfortunately, postponed again. Uh, no More Room in Hell episode 49 will have to be postponed for another week. Let's hope we can get together this weekend and take a look at that because I'd like to do that movie before the end of the month because November is Italian Horror Month and we picked Italian Horror movies for the episode. So hopefully we can get it done before the month is over. But, you know, it's looking obviously today's already the what, the 28th. So it's not looking good, but it'll be our early December episode before we do our annual Christmas commentary. And that's pretty much it. We didn't record an episode of Crystal Lake Gift Shop in October for obvious reasons. You know, we're horror podcasters. We're all busy in October. Um, so that'll, you know, uh, Mike and I will get together to do the third episode of uh, the Crystal Lake Gift Shop, looking at the third episode of Friday the 13th, the series. Um, what else do we have? I think that's about it. Um, yeah, that's it. It's been a pretty, for podcasting, October was slow, but that's only because we were busy with, 10,000 other things in October. So uh, hopefully we'll get back to our standard schedule and, you know, we'll have a steady flow of new episodes coming out soon. But of course you can always count on fresh cuts every single week. All right, Don, how about you? What do you got? All right. As mentioned, we have crystal Creek. uh, no more room in hell presents creature comforts. Almost did the wrong show there. <laughs> Cut myself. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that is officially available as of the day we are recording this. Uh, then I'm then specify that it's available the day we're recording, not the day it's released. But uh, it is available for you all. As mentioned, it should be pretty obvious where we stand on that. But uh, don't let that deter you from a good conversation or fun co-host for that matter. So go ahead and uh, give that a listen. I do have uh, news that my guest spot on. The nightclub uh, where we looked at the Beyond is available again today as of the day we we're recording this. A uh, lot of fun. I got to hang out with them again, and I got to showcase my love for the second favorite film of all time for me. So that was a lot of fun. Still no word on uh, House by the Cemetery, but that one should be available within the coming weeks. So I'll definitely keep you updated on that. And I'm pleased to say that the season two launch, or um, I should say call for guests for season two launch of uh, Horror Countdown is going so well, I can't keep up with everything. And I'm uh, in the midst of uh, responding back to people while we record this. So I'm uh, multitasking my ass off uh, as we speak. So (laughs) Uh, definitely looking forward to uh, getting that uh, going. Several guest spots have already been uh, set up as for, and you know, getting a date and a topic going. So that, that should be uh, available to you all at the start of the new year. So uh, like we did for season one, uh, looking to launch in the uh, first week of January 2023. So be on the lookout for that. But um, on that, not much else. All right, yeah, as far as I go, my schedule's been pretty clear lately. You know, have family holidays stuff, so my time's usually occupied when I'm not doing the small amount of podcast I am right now. But uh, always, there's always things in the works. I feel like it's just it's that time of the year where it's hard to fit anything extra in other than 
what you regular, regularly do, and even some of the regular stuff is hard, uh, evidenced by the fact that it's been so long since the main show has been recorded, but uh, I feel like by that same token, with the new year coming up, it's always like uh, new ideas start sprouting, like, oh, what, what other things can I do? Um, I was looking at the schedule, too. It looks like that... Um, that Megan movie is going to be the first yep. Fresh Cuts episode. <laughs> exactly. Um, I, I mean, you know, it's a killer doll movie. I mean, not a killer doll, killer droid, I guess, whatever. I haven't seen it yeah. either, but I've, I've seen... Close uh, enough. Close yeah, enough. I've seen some stills from it. it. It looks... The doll looks mildly creepy, so, yeah, I'm mildly excited to see it. I'm not yeah. the biggest fan of killer dolls and killer toy movies, but I, I give them all a chance. I just hope it gets ridiculous because to me it's I I I I am someone who still watches trailers so I have seen the trailer and I feel like there's the potential there that if they really go for it in like the third act because I that's how I assume it will go you know you kind of set it up that way if if they don't hold back I think it could end up being fun but I just hope they don't like go the timid route but we'll we'll see um but as far as we go i'm pretty sure next week or next episode we're doing violent night right that's the theatrical christmas I believe so yep looks i think it looks like a home invasion type movie um but is it? anyways I'm not sure. <laughs> is that the one with david harbour <clears throat> is that the stranger things guy? is it yeah yeah okay. yeah because not for, the joe bagos one the no joe bagos yeah like joe, yeah the joe bagos one it yeah, the Joe Bagos one is Christmas Bloody Christmas, which oh ah, yeah, thank you for reminding me that is my film for Cut to the Chasemus. Oh, nice! You get to review it twice. <laughs> yeah, and that, yeah, is, that, and that one is going to Shutter. Is that correct? Right. Yep. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, cool. Bagos Shutter loves Joe Bagos. I think they premiere all his movies. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm hyped. Effortless, I think they have. Yeah. Because mm-hmm. didn't I think they did VFW and Endless, yeah. I saw VFW in the theater just because I'm in LA, but they did they did show Bliss and VFW on Shutter, so I think they premiered them. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. cool. All right. Well, I'm, yeah. Well, no moods will be happy. <laughs> <laughs> moods is the only guy I know who likes Joe Bagos more than me, so I know he's excited. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's crazy. We're yeah, so we're starting off the uh, December right away with the Christmas horror, and we didn't have to look far because it's in the theater. So <laughs> love it. Two killer Santa movies back to back. Nice. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, with that, that's going to do it for this episode. Thank you, everybody, for listening. I hope you had a nice Thanksgiving and all and uh, get geared up for the next holiday. So let's say bye to the listeners. Later. If you want to send me Thanksgiving leftovers, my address is one. Oh, I forget it. Just have a good night, folks. (laughs) Peace.